If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and it's time for another edition of the show with your spicy takes and our even spicier opinions. It's HDW, and joining me back in the chair for the first time in a while, actually, is Miss Charlie Williams. Hello, Charlie. How's it going? Hello. It has been a while. I had some time off. And it was nice, I'm not going to lie, but I'm happy to be back. Oh, well, thanks a bunch. You know, it's like, you're not meant to you're not meant to say that the time off was really, really good. You're meant to say, oh, you know, Dre, I really missed this show. I missed well, the chemistry we have. And, you know, we, we had to make do with Hannah. You know, I'm just joking. We love Hannah. Like, that's a joke, okay? But, um, you know, it's good to have you back. And, and well, how's the racing been? Yeah, it's been good. But, I mean, I'm only saying that it was... It was nice to be away because I did go and see One Republic and they were amazing. And then it was my birthday. Happy birthday. For like last week. I I didn't even realize, happy belated. The thing is that I didn't realize this until after it happened, after we recorded last week, was that Hannah and Charlie's birthdays are one day apart from each other. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, didn't didn't realize that was a thing. Um, there's a bit, there's a bit of, there's a few years in between our birthdays, but, <laughs> but yeah. oh, I, don't worry, I took the piss out of that bit too when I said born in two thousand. <laughs> That's just disgraceful. Uh, can't can't have that. But uh, enough about us. Let's get into the show now. Of course, because every podcast is someone's first. Here's the format. So you, the wonderful WTF1 audience, will send in your hot takes regarding Formula One. It could be about a race. It could be about a driver. It could be about anything to do with a sport really so you send in your takes and then we score them on a scale of one to five one being that we strongly disagree with them five being that we strongly agree with them if we both agree on a one or a five it goes into our special uh sub-zero vault that we will crack open at the end of the season for the hottest and coldest takes of 2023 also just wanted to say a special shout out to everyone that's got in touch with me via all sorts of other platforms. We normally like put our tweet out on Monday morning saying, send in your takes, but people have gone out of their way to reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram. And some of you guys even emailed the show. Really appreciate it. We must be doing something right. Quick favor. If you do like what we're putting out there, just give it a five-star rating on iTunes. That would be really, really nice um, of you if you could go out of your way to do that. But thank you. Genuinely, it means a lot that people are going out of your way to to dig me out because they want to get their takes on the show. I promise I will try and get them in. It is a bit of a tight format given when you normally have time for five or so, but I promise I will try to get them in as the weeks go by. So thank you for making the effort. It, it, It doesn't go unnoticed, I promise. So, without further ado, Charlie, should we get into HTW? Let's go. Let's go. Take number one comes from Miguel's F1. And Miguel says, and I quote, It's unfair how Charles Leclerc is always excused when he makes a mistake, but when Carlos does it, he's crucified and his place is questioned right away. I wonder if he's Spanish. <laughs> just, 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 just throw that out there. <laughs> just, just, just a prediction. But uh, it's unfair how Charles Leclerc is always excused when he makes a mistake, but when Carlos does it, he's crucified and his place is questioned right away. 
What do you make of that one, Charlie? This, this is the game of perception, clearly, isn't it? Mm, I think... I, I don't think it's that deep, <laughs> personally. I do think there is a slight difference in how people treat Charles and Carlos when they make mistakes. Um, but I think it's important to remember that Charles was written in the stars to be a Ferrari boy, whereas Carlos probably wasn't. And it was actually quite a bit of, it was a shock when he announced that he was going to Ferrari. It wasn't a move that anybody was really expecting. But I think, um, I mean, in terms of consistency or or inconsistency, depending on if you're glass half full kind of person, <laughs> um, I actually think they're quite leveled. They both make that like, you know, the same kind of mistakes. Um, Charles, I think, has been let off a little bit over the years, especially in like 2022. You know, he, at that start of that season, he was kind of like ready to fight for that championship. And I think a lot of people use Ferrari's strategy as a bit of a scapegoat for that year. And although they did make a lot of mistakes, they weren't all Ferraris. I think we have to give a little bit of that unwanted credit to Charles. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I just think we read a bit too much into stuff like this and what other people think. Um, neither driver deserves any hate for honest mistakes that they make on the track, but that is just a, a, a great reflection on what society and F1 is like now. I agree with Charlie. I think Charles is the more popular driver. He has got a very vocal fan base. I distinctively remember when I made a couple of jokes about Charles Leclerc being at Le Mans and Antonio Giovinazzi was getting his moment in the sun, winning Le Mans, Ferrari's first Le Mans win in nearly 65 years. Um, and people were like, what are you making it about Charles for? And I'm like, that's the joke. Uh, and people got very protective over Charles. And I think that's just the way that people talk about drivers on Twitter. Everybody's got their favorites now. A lot of people are dedicating their entire social media footprints to their favorite drivers. And when that happens, people get very loud. And I, I know the Leclerc fan base gets very loud about this. Um, I think I... <laughs> What, what, what? I'm, I'm laughing because I was one of those people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were one of those. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that on Twitter at the time, funnily enough. I had no idea that you had tweeted that. Just so, just so we know. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not one of those people, please, guys, believe me. But I did I did tweet saying, why is everybody making this about Charles? All, all, all I'm saying is, is that uh, direct all complaints to at CharlieWTF1 on Twitter. <laughs> Anyway, um, as I was saying, I mean, I think Charles being, I would say, the driver with the higher upside compared to Carlos, I think maybe because of his popularity, because he's shown more of his class, I think the brighter moments at Ferrari since they've been teammates have largely come from Charles. So I think with that in mind, people like him more, and I think people are going to be less likely to call him out, even though I agree, also agree with Charlie, he's made his fair share of mistakes in his time um, since joining Ferrari. I remember we're going to Austria this weekend. He mounted his old teammate Sebastian Vettel's car at this very circuit a couple of years ago. So, you know, he's had his fair share of errors on his own front, you know, even ignoring the many strategic and and reliability problems that Ferrari have had over the last two or three years, that Charles has to has to take some degree of responsibility for that as well, because he has had his fair share of errors. Australia this year was another example of that. Put his car in a bad spot, was probably a bit unlucky to DNF so quick, but it's still largely a driver error that got to that point. 
I think because Charles is, I don't know, this is my personal opinion, I think Charles is the better driver compared to Carlos Sainz Jr. I think with that in mind, I think he gets a slightly bigger leash as to what he can get away with compared to Carlos. And this year so far, I think Carlos has been absolutely fine. He's had a couple of of, of stinker rounds. Like Baku was probably the biggest one because Charles was so good in Baku and, and Sainz was way off the pace by comparison. But I think Sainz has just been consistently solid all year long. Maybe not having a big weekend like Charles's Baku podium, but I think overall, I think Carlos has been fine. I, I mentioned it when a similar take came through, um, you know, a, a few weeks ago talking about the comparing the comparisons of them as drivers i i i got the impression that that maybe you know carlos gets a bit of a hard time because i think he's the easy scapegoat for when ferrari and have and has things go wrong i think it's very easy to pin it on carlos when i don't think it's as simple as that i think i, I would say ferrari should be criticized more for their errors as a team but they get plenty of that on the internet as it yeah. is so um I personally think there is something to Miguel's point, but I also think it's a bit more complicated than that too. Um, for me, I'm going to, I don't normally pull out this number, but I'm going to say three on this one. And I don't normally, I don't normally sit on the fence on this one, but I think there is something to Charles Leclerc being excused a little bit because of his upside as a driver. But I also think, that you know, I I I I agree with this take to a large degree, but I also think there's outside reasons as to why that happens, and it's not just because Charles makes a mistake. I think it's because he's probably just a bit more popular, and and I think that just happens when you're more popular. And it's a take where perception is nine tenths of the law. So I'm going to say three on this, Charlie. How do you feel about it? Well, I love to sit on the fence, so um, I'm also going to go with a three. I agree with. What you said, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it's something that you find. There's favoritism in every team. Do you know? I, I mean, if oh, absolutely. If if um if Red Bull don't somehow don't win the constructors this year, who are they going to blame? It's not going to be Verstappen, is it? So, no. <laughs> so you know, I think it's just kind of the way it is. There is always a popular driver in a team, and unfortunately, the hate goes to the less favorited driver yeah it's 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 an easy out when charles is so beloved largely on this on on social media and i think that's probably what swayed that take in the first place funnily enough <laughs> um let's go to take number two it's from uh andrew bannister hi andrew and he says hamilton and alonso will finish above perez in the championship man the tables have turned on, on checo in the last <laughs> month and a half we went from checo the title contender to checo might be out of a seat again i love the swings and roundabouts nature of being a red bull driver <laughs> it's the, the same stance never stays the same for more than a month so andrew says hamilton and alonso We'll finish above Perez in the championship. Like, man, we're that down on Perez already again. <laughs> Damn, that's a shame. Um, Charlie, what do you reckon? I mean, I firstly admit that I may have been a little bit too optimistic about Perez being Maybe. a championship contender, <laughs> and I did really back for him, and I tried to stay positive, but he has failed me. Um, <laughs> at first, I kind of looked at this take and thought, for Checo's sake, I really hope not. Um 
you know, it like that Red Bull is an absolute rocket. It has no excuse to be finishing fourth in the championship by the end of the season. No. Um, but actually, like, it's quite possible when when he's not finishing P2 or P1 or whatever, it's always Alonso or Hamilton that are benef- benefiting from that. They're always picking up the pieces. So Checo's qualifying is really what has been letting him down the last couple of races. Um, he's starting out of position and then he goes and finishes what P16 in Monaco, P4 in Spain and P5 in Canada. And although I wouldn't say... Six in Canada, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. So uh, although I wouldn't say, you know, apart from P16 in Monaco, they're not bad results. In that car, they kind of are. Um, and take it this way, if that was Max Verstappen starting further down out of position, he'd have won that race or at very, very, very least gotten on the podium so yeah I honestly I think it could be possible if Checo keeps making these silly mistakes and Alonso and Hamilton are always there to cash in on those eventually it will add up and Alonso is only nine points behind Lewis is only 24 but that only takes a couple of bad results and especially with the upgrades that Aston and Mercedes are bringing over the next few weeks I think yeah I think if Mercedes are probably one big and decent upgrade away from fighting for a podium every single race. Remember that it becomes important later because uh, I've seen the list of takes we have, and that does come up. Um, my perspective on this is last year, we kind of got an inkling towards this because if you remember, Sergio Perez was not runner up in the championship last year. Charles Leclerc was. Mm-hmm. Perez lost out by three points and <laughs> he, he, he was maybe one lap shy in Abu Dhabi of passing Leclerc and, that that would have been the fight for second in the championship well, right there. It went down someone, to the final lap. <laughs> someone could have helped him out as well. Could have but... done, but but uh, <laughs> they, they 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 were arguing over two points when the swing for second in Abu Dhabi was free. See, see, <laughs> nice nice try, Checo fans. I I, I, I see what you're doing here. Um, no, um, <laughs> I don't know how much I want to make of this bad run of form that Checo has had for the last three rounds. I mean, Monaco. He obviously he boned himself in qualifying by crashing in Q1 and Monaco being Monaco, it's almost impossible to pass. So you're kind of screwed no matter which way you slice it. Spain again, pouring qualifying, couldn't get his tires warmed up. Fourth wasn't dreadful, but you'd expect in a car that good, if you get a clean weekend, you're finishing second at worst. And I Canada for me was the most egregious. Canada was him not making Q2 got caught out by by not going on slicks fast enough. And then in open air for most of the race, he could, he could only manage sixth. That's the one that, that that leaps off the page to me as a properly bad day at the office. Like, even Spain, I was like, okay, fourth's not dreadful. Um, but sixth in Canada in open air? like, um, And to be fair, Perez admitted it himself after the race that he was just poor that weekend. He had no pace in the car at all. I think he just needs a clean weekend. He'll if he if he does that and he finishes second in Austria, does that again at Silverstone the week after. I think that a lot of the question marks will just go away because we expect him to finish in second. I, I, I if this carries on for a couple more rounds, then I'm going to have concerns. But if he just brings the car home in second a couple of times behind Max, then is anybody really going to complain? 
We know Max is better than Checo. I don't like Alonso is driving out of his skin. I'll give him that. He's been fantastic all season long. He'd be a shoe in for driver of the year if it wasn't for Verstappen right now. To get six podiums out of eight is insane. You know, to beat Hamilton straight up in Canada was great. I'm not convinced on Mercedes. Like, they need to win a couple, I would say, before I really start talking about the potentially beating Checo for second. Hamilton's driven great for the most part, all years. Just about taking the maximum most weekends so far. Mercs and their upgrades have certainly put them back into play a little bit. But he's even despite all of this and all of Checo's struggles, he's still 24 points behind him. That's a whole race's worth. Um it's going to take a lot more bad days from Perez to really open the door for Alonso and Hamilton. I think Perez will get it back on track. And I think once he does, I think they'll comfortably end up in second. Um, because, again, not so much on Perez, but because the Rebel is just so goddamn good. It, it, it's it's one of the best cars we've ever seen in F1. And even with Perez behind the wheel, it should still be comfortable enough for second. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say two. I, I, I don't think it's a massive long shot, but I think Perez will, re- will return to something near his normal form, rack up seconds, probably win a couple more races between now and the end of the year. And he should still be comfortably in second by the end. I don't I don't think Alonso and Hamilton will will do enough over the course of the season. Not to mention they could trip each other up by fighting each other because they're roughly in sort of the same sort of area right now, week in, week out. So I think that could come into play as well. But so I'm gonna say two on this one. How about you, Charlie? I feel like we've swapped roles, Dre. You're like the Checo lover and I'm the <laughs> the cynic. I I'm actually gonna go with a four. Wow. Okay. I yeah, I I don't know. There's just I feel like I'm reading I mean maybe this is the 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 journalist in me that from writing too much, but I like I read a lot about what um Christian Horner is saying about him and how much pressure he's putting on himself because he's not beating um Max and I think Checo is the kind of guy that would let that pressure get to him. And I think I honestly genuinely think that that's why he is underperforming at the moment. So it depends if he can get out of that headspace, but right now it doesn't look good. So I'm going to go with a four. There's something to that. Absolutely. I think there's something to that. Again, it has been three weekends in a row and even Australia back earlier on the year was a pretty rough one for him as well with it. Like it's it's almost harsh because Max has been virtually impervious all year long. He's been virtually perfect. Um, and anything less than that is going to get questioned um, for Checo. But yeah, I, I, I can see an argument where you, you might want to give four and agree with that, most certainly. Now, as most of you will know, the British Grand Prix is coming up very shortly and you could win a dream weekend there with us, thanks to MoneyGram. They are offering an incredible weekend experience for two people at our WTF1 Clubhouse at Silverstone. You'll enjoy weekend access to the WTF1 Clubhouse campground, including accommodation in a two-person bell tent, food and drinks for four days, dinner in Whittlebury Hall Hotel on one night, 
hotel and pool wristband access, and buggy transfers to and from the clubhouse to the circuit entrance. All you have to do to enter is download the MoneyGram app via the link in the podcast description and enter the code WINBIGUK. That's W-I-N-B-I-G-U-K, all one word, when you send money. The closing date for entries is June 29th, this Thursday, and the winner will be drawn at random. Terms and conditions can be found at WTF1.com slash MoneyGram dash terms dash and dash conditions. Now, back to the show. Take number three comes from generic nickname. Uh, NIC, I see what you did there. Very, very, very clever. Generic nickname who says, none of the rookies are having a bad season or deserve to lose their spot on the grid. None of the rookies are having a bad season or deserve to lose their spot on the grid. Now, I go to serial Nick DeFreeze defender, Charlie Williams, for her <laughs> glowingly minus free response to this take. <laughs> I feel like, we're, I already know that we're going to disagree on this, but I, I feel like I have quite a different opinion on rookies than most people. And this isn't, I'm not like, this is, take, I'm not, you know, it says, um, none of the rookies are having a bad season. I'm not going to focus on that at this moment in time. I'm just going to focus on rookies as a whole because I think that everybody is really, really quick to judge them. And I personally think that we should cut them a bit of slack. And that seems to be such like a taboo thing in Formula One now. And I don't know why. Like, so if it gets to like 10 races in there like next year, then I think we can start to criticise. But for, for as long as I can remember, we get three races in and people are already going, swap them out and start talking about who could replace them. That's not fair. I, I just don't think that's fair. Now, again, this is speaking quite generally, but most of the rookies that come into F1 are young. They may have had a year off racing like Piastri had. Most of the rookies that come into F1 are young. They may have had a year off to sit in the garages and just think about how much pressure is on those young drivers' shoulders. I think if we look back at some of the greats in our sport, they didn't just come into the sport and immediately become good. There was some, there was some that has, or some that got lucky and got into a very fast car straight away. But even the likes of like Vettel and Raikkonen, they had somewhat difficult starts to their F1 careers. There are just some drivers that do come in and they find their feet and just some some just don't. And I, I don't know, I just, I have a very, maybe it's like that. I mean, I don't know if anyone knows what I used to do before, before I was writing for WTF1, but I was a nursery nurse. I worked with children. Maybe it's the nurturing, <laughs> mothering instinct in me. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that david coulthard said that one point that you know about, about women not being able to drive because of their quote motherly instincts and uh, now charlie's using it to to, to justify her love for I the mean, rookies <laughs> we've come well, full circle no i mean that his that opinion is just wrong no it's but dreadful I, know, just... I, need, I need to clarify that that is a dreadful take oh, and this is the man who used to own the w series which is just yeah, eyebrow raising that's but here just we are. flat out absolutely yeah. not yeah um, carry on. <laughs> but, but yeah I, do, I don't know if it's something like that but I just always feel like they're like little birds that you've just got to let to let out to go free and find the world and <laughs> we don't give them the chance to do that right because imagine imagine being a rookie and then immediately like you know you've already you already feel pressure for performing in your first f1 season obviously that's that's gonna there's gonna be pressure there and sure. then on top of that you open twitter and there's just like a whole thing of hate 
towards how you should be, how you shouldn't be in the seat. That's extra pressure. And I just think, I don't know, I, I think people are very quick to judge and very quick to um, rule them out and just be like, get rid. When actually we've seen in past that that replacing drivers and swapping them around doesn't always work. It doesn't benefit. So I don't know. That's my rookie. That's my rookie rant over. <laughs> I agree in part that you know what it is? We're spoiled. F1 has been absolutely spoilt rotten for young developing talent in the last half decade plus. Since Verstappen, and I think this is the eighth season Verstappen has been in, we've had him, Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, George Russell, Alex Albon, Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly. Like, Mick Schumacher was in and out as a two-year guy. That's how high the standard has gotten. Ten years ago, Mick Schumacher would have easily still been in this sport. Comfortably. Like, I have largely been of the belief that rookies need three years to really establish just how good they are. Unfortunately, the quality of driver has gotten so high, in my opinion, and that it's it's forced everybody to be more ruthless. Some of that is also the BS nature of driver academies and treating drivers like cattle and assets rather than actual human beings. Alpine, I'm looking in your general direction. Um, Red Bull, I'm looking in your direction too. Um, like half of that's like, like when was the last time Alpine promoted a junior into one of their seats? Mm. I'll get back to you on that one. You, you, you got to go back to the days where Jack Aitken and Artem Markolov were, were in their academy and they didn't get opportunities either. Um, I think there's something to the point that the overall standard of driver has gotten to such a point now where teams almost have to be more ruthless. And there is something to be said about wanting to quickly get rid of people. And there, that is a valid point. However, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give you this. Oscar Piastri is exempt from this take because Oscar's been excellent so far this season. Like he's after a year out where he's largely been in a simulator, he's walked into a seat that drove Daniel Ricciardo into a potential career ender and has been very good. Like Oscar Piastri has been excellent. Logan Sargent and Nick DeFries is where this take, I think, falls down. Logan's not been great. He started out very well in Bahrain. I think just having him like finish a few seconds behind Albon in Bahrain was genuinely very impressive. But he's actually gotten worse as the season's gone on. And I find that a little bit alarming. I gave him a bit, a bit of a pass because there was a, a few tracks that he hadn't raced in when he was in Formula 2 and Formula 3. But I think generally he's not been great. I think he might be the bottom guy in the series right now in terms of car plus ability. And of course, the big one is Nick DeFries. And that's where a lot of this, I think, is going to come from. The fact that he is a more experienced rookie than the average one. He's not your your typical F1 rookie. He has had extra single seat time. I know Formula E is a drastically different series compared to F2 and F1, but it's still, you know, experience in single seat as he came into the sport at 27. Um, you'd expect him to probably adapt a bit quicker and get up to speed a bit quicker, and that just hasn't worked out. I mean, Canada, again, very clumsy 
in that race and how he handled the Kevin Magnuson fight. Don't get me wrong. I think Kevin also was was partly to blame for how that ended up with both of them down an escape road. Um, I, I did love Kevin's... Uh, who am I to complain about aggressive driving comment? Because uh, I'm, I'm glad he at least acknowledged his own hypocrisy if he was to uh, go the other way on that. But Sonoda was under pressure going into this season about losing his job. And he's generally been excellent in year three. And that actually might back up your point, Charlie that you give a driver time and it actually works out. Red Bull hasn't got time. They don't, they don't, they're not patient with people because they have so many names in their academy. You've got Dennis Hauger and Zane uh, Maloney and Ayumu Owasa and Liam Lawson that they can't afford to give dudes three years. Otherwise, I, what's the point? <laughs> I genuinely, I like hand on heart. I don't think, mm. No, I don't think that anybody else could step into that car and do better than Nick has. There's one I've, person I think Liam that, Lawson might. Yeah, so he was my he was he was my one person who may just just make it. But anybody else, I like like you know, I, there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of F2 drivers and F3 drivers that are coming up that I think are are definitely going to be F1 potential and real F1 talents. I mean, Ollie Behrman is just like, if I, if he is honestly, I think he's yeah. incredible. But if, uh, I don't know, there's nobody that jumps out to me at the moment that you could put them in an in a F1 car and they would genuinely perform better than Nick DeVry, apart from Liam Lawson. But it's not a good season. There's no getting around it. There's, there's, what can we take away from Nick the Free season that's been good? <laughs> Maybe Monaco where he finished 12th in a quiet 12th place. That's the one time he's beaten Sonoda in a race this year. He's out-qualified him twice. Two out of eight. <laughs> For but, a guy that many people but, thought yeah, didn't deserve thing, to be here. Though, but this is the thing. Alex has out-qualified Logan every every race but there is so why like why is there not that pressure on logan the same as there is on nick and if you say there is i will i will beat you down because there isn't there is so much nick slander there is so much nick slander i i would say it's probably because nick has a better racing pedigree coming coming into f1 than logan did logan he's still an f1 rookie (laughs) he is still an f1 rookie but you have to admit he's not your typical rookie I just like, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not a driver, so I I can't compare. Obviously, what it's like to get in. And, and honestly, I also, car to I, an also car. I also think to a degree, expectations are probably lower because Williams are I think are probably seen as the worst team on the grid right now, and people mm. know they underperform. I mean, technically they're not because Alex Albon just pulled out that brilliant seventh in Canada, but four of the last five years, Williams have been the worst team in F1. And I think that might be part of the reason why, especially coming off Nicholas Latifi, who was dreadful. There's but no I mean, getting around that. And, he, Alpha- and, they gave, and they gave him three years. But I mean, Alpha Tari aren't exactly like <laughs> oh, don't get know, me wrong. exceeding I, expectations either. Oh, don't get me wrong. Alpha Tari's been dreadful this year as well. But the problem is, Sonoda's been outstanding. <laughs> Sonoda has dragged that figure to the point. He's in the car. <laughs> People thought Sonoda was crap until this year. <laughs> See, you see, you, you you can make an argument either way on this very easily. 
For me, given the take reads, none of the rookies are having a bad season. I don't know how on earth you could call Logan Sargent or Nick the Free season anything other than bad. It's it's just not been good enough on on there. And like I have genuine doubts about Logan Sargent as a driver, and Nick the Freeze has been disappointing for a guy that's a, a genuine world champion. Like <laughs> he's a world champion. He's walked into an F1 seat and he's and he's he's, he's been run over by Sonoda so far. You can't tell me that's a good season. So I'm I'm gonna say one on this one because <laughs> like like Piastri is exempt. He's been great. No, que- I have no question. You should be happy. You're a McLaren fan. Like, I am like, very happy with Oscar's like, performance. Like, I Piast- think he's done brilliantly. Piastri's been excellent. Um, the problem is this take falls down when you look at the freeze and sergeant because they look. I I I do want to preface this by saying there's a bit of an exemption because yes, they are rookies and their teammates are have been very good so far this season. Albon's been excellent. Sonoda's been excellent. That's kind of the problem here. It's that it kind of makes them look worse by proxy. But you can't tell me with a clear conscience that the freeze rookie season so far has been good. You you took out his own teammate in Baku. I'm just sitting here like 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 the, the cardinal sin, Charlie. <laughs> it's got to be a one for me. I can't do it with that. And I know you're going to disagree with me on this, but <laughs> but I'm, I'm going one, and, and and nothing will persuade me otherwise. <laughs> I refuse. I'm not rating. <laughs> I'm not giving you a number. Give you don't me deserve one. Give me a number. Give... Right. You're gonna say four. Go on. Say it. No, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the Lulu. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I as much as I advocate for rookies, I am. Yeah, I'm not delusional. So I no. I I can admit that Logan and Nick haven't had the best starts of the seasons. Bad. But <laughs> but I I just. I'll go three. I'm going to sit in the middle. Coward. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> three. I, I, again, direct all complaints to at CharlieWTF1 on Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm not having that. <laughs> that is that, that is wild. <laughs> like, I'm past this take now. Let's move on. <laughs> You're past this take, but I sure as hell aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Nick DeFries, 19th in the championship, like one finish up above 14th full year. Now that's great. Great, great season. But again, <laughs> why are you picking on Nick? Why did you not just say Logan? Because pound for pound, he's for pound for pound, he's a world champion. He's coming to F1. And he's in been Formula E, in Formula E, right? You've just spent the last weekend slating Formula E, right? I, for- did, I did not okay. slate Formula E. I slated the race itself. I am. Right. So, I look at Formula is a series the drivers are not the problem the driving the driving quality it, like the quality of the roster is fantastic the issue is that i think the racing turned into a cycling peloton that's the problem i had with it <laughs> this old dre got to write about it for the race uh, you know freaking take making personal jabs at me and the opportunities given to me hey <laughs> so- i was given the opportunity i just chose not to rant about it yeah, yeah. Well, if if Nick the Freeze was still in there, he'd have been winning it by ten seconds in Portland. Um, anyway, yeah, you wish. <laughs> Take number four. Oh no. Take number four. This is going to be a fun one. Six 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 on Twitter. Uh, Christoffelson, I should say, is um, 
Mercedes are still in to win the championship if they get the next upgrade right. All I will say is I admire the optimism. <laughs> Talking of the Lulu. <laughs> well, I thought I was being nice about this. You clearly weren't. You're on the rampage today. My goodness. No. So no. Merck's still in the chance of the championship if they get the next upgrade right. Now, for perspective, Mercedes have 167 points in the Constructors' free weight races so far this season. Red Bull has 321. Red Bull has outscored Mercedes nearly 2-1 to one so far this year. My short answer here is no. <laughs> my, my long answer here has a swear word before it. It begins with F. Um, no, <laughs> is, uh, is for me on this one. Look, look. This season is lost for Mercedes. If they, if we are, if we are evaluating them in the terms of being a serious contender, you're not making up 150 plus points in half a season. Like, not unless something major in the regulations came specifically to hammer Red Bull, and I don't think something like that could happen. I think Red Bull's car is a cheat code right now, and I think it's 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 busted. Like, you need to be all in for next year if you're Mercedes. You're like this season is lost. You are not winning the championship this year, and I still think they are several tenths a lap behind Red Bull at the moment. So, and Red Bull will still develop their car too. Like they will move their goalposts as far as they need to. They will keep finding ways to improve. Yes, there is a law of diminishing returns when it comes to F1 teams and how far they can push their concepts. But Mercs are still, for me, a long way back. When Toto Wolf admitted himself that it's going to take them six to 12 months to understand Red Bull's aero differences. That's the, the polite way of him saying this season's not happening. You're, you, they're fighting for second with Aston Martin and Ferrari. Most likely Aston. That's how I look at it. Charlie, what do you reckon? Well, I mean... <laughs> I don't really know what to say. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I know I said earlier, I think Mercedes are one decent upgrade away from consistently fighting for podiums, but I didn't quite mean this far. <laughs> it wasn't. So, um, I don't know. I, I think if, if Mercedes get everything right, this year, could they potentially nab a win or two? Maybe. Sure. But they, did, they, did, they did last year. Yeah, but I, I still think that Max is pretty much going to walk away with the the, the the Drivers' Championship, definitely. But he will probably single-handedly almost win the Constructors with just his own points. Um, so... Well, the funny thing is, if, if Verstappen was just his own Constructor, he'd be leading the Constructors' Championship by 28 exactly. points. Exactly. So... Um, this is probably the biggest one that I've ever had to <laughs> give in Hot Takes Wednesday. I mean, I do find it quite interesting. You know, earlier we were talking about um, the fight between like Aston Martin and Mercedes. I mean, they, Red Bull and Aston Martin do both have drivers that perhaps aren't performing to their best. So it's basically, you know, a one a one driver team at the moment oh yeah fernando alonso is massively underperforming i don't know what the issue is there at Aston. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah um so i mean is could there be a possibility of alonso and max not being able to carry <laughs> their weight of their team by themselves 
Mm, maybe for Alonso for P2, but uh, I, there's just I just don't see any chance of. I mean, I, I'm 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 pretty happy to call it and be like, right, let's just end this season. Max has won. This is going in the vault. It's going to be the first tweet I pull out of the vault when that special comes around in December, because <laughs> it's 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 a one from me. Like this, like I said, this season's lost. If you're Mercedes, you're fighting for second. Like Aston Martin is a genuine threat for second here, and Alonso again is is driven brilliantly so far this season he's actually put the whole of Aston Martin on his back he has 117 points this season Lance Stroll has 37 it, like he's 80 back through eight rounds Stroll oh, has like been 75 percent of points that is yeah it's a massive swing it's it's, it's I think it's about yeah, I think you're right I think it's about three quarters it's a yeah. huge swing in terms of where the points are heading and that's I think the only reason why Aston Martin are in third and not second um any decent performing second driver worth his salt is giving Merck something to think about in a fight for second too. But Red Bull, nah, not happening. V- Verstappen is driving as well as anybody I've ever seen drive an F1 car at the moment. He like man had a had a bird in his brake duct <laughs> through, through most of Canada. Um, and he was still untouchable. He led every single lap in Canada. He's led 224 straight in F1. It's one of the longest laps led streaks in the history of the sport. Like, he's going to be... He's untouchable at the moment. You like Merckx would need to find half a second for me to for me to genuinely look at them and go, okay, maybe now they're a threat again. That's how far back I think they are at the moment. So, for me, it's a one. It's in the vault. Sorry, in my friend. Vault. In the vault. <laughs> I'm going to put you in there with that Nick the Freeze take from earlier. Um... <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Final take of the episode comes from Etienne, who's emailed the show. And Etienne <laughs> says, Ferrari is intentionally cratering so they get more aero tunnel time next year. Tanking. Wow. I never thought I'd hear an, a, a tanking opinion um, in, in F1. It's very American. Um, like, like, I know Charlie was, was a little bit perplexed when she saw that take in the inbox. Um, so for those who don't know real quick, this is a very quick explanation. The lower down the table you are, for those who don't know, the more aero wind tunnel allowance time you are given. So it's kind of done so that the teams that are towards the back of the field potentially get more aero tunnel resources to be able to try and catch up. It's very American sports. Like if, for example, the NBA, because they just had their draft last week, they have a lottery between all the bad teams in the league and you know it's weighted so that the worst performers have the best chance of getting the number one pick in the draft. Same in the NFL, the worst team in the previous season gets the number one pick so they can get the best you know, the best selection of, of the college talent that's out there coming into the league. It's very American um, style with, with that with that system. Um, for me, long story short, I don't think an F1 team would ever tank to try and get more wind tunnel time. Ferrari's already got a huge amount of resources. Um, they have over a thousand people working for them. Um, they want to win. And they want to win every year, especially when they've gone 15 years since they last won a major championship. Um, I don't think they would ever, especially given it's been a calamitous last decade with five different team principals and Fred Vassar trying to, you know, you know, use his era to try and clean up the Bonotto regime and try and get back up the rankings. I don't think they would ever tank just to get some more wind tunnel time. 
I don't think that's the issue with Ferrari at all. I think it's across the board operationally. I mean, Charlie, I mean, how do you feel about it? I mean, you look at them as a team. I don't think the lack of wind tunnel time is the problem. I mean, yeah, I just can't comprehend why this would ever be a good idea. Why would you sacrifice one year to try and improve the next? I mean, obviously, air, air tunnel, aero tunnel. Oh, my goodness. Wind obviously, tunnel time, yeah. <laughs> obviously, tunnel time is crucial. But I think we've seen two instances that this year of pros and cons to that. Red Bull had less time, but they're still dominating. Mm-hmm. And Aston Martin had a good old chunk and they've shot up the grid. I don't know. But it's just, yeah, I just can't really, my mind can't really grasp the concept of that even becoming a, a thing because what, I mean, you're in, you're in, you're in a sporting championship to win, not just to lose and hope to win next year. And there's like you're incentivized in this sport to win far more than you are to lose. There's a bigger slice of prize money in it for you. The yeah. higher up the calendar, higher up the pyramid you are in F1, the more money you get, the way the money is divvied up. That prize money, and don't get me wrong, Ferrari will never quit F1. They've been in F1 every year since its inception in 1950. They, they, they were getting paid historical payments just for being here for most of the time they've been in F1. So they're never going to quit. But I don't think they would ever tank. I mean, a couple of years ago, this was the sixth best team in Formula One. That was an unmitigated disaster for Ferrari. Heads rolled in that establishment. There was there was talk of coals everywhere. There is no way this team would tank to, just for the sake of 5% more, or maybe 10% more aero time, because it's 5% staggerments between positions in the championship. The baseline is seventh. Like, that's the 100% normal figure. That is for seventh place. So every mm-hmm. position above that, you 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 lose 5%. So, like, to even get a, quote, normal amount of time, you'd have to drop to seventh. Who's seventh <laughs> in the constructors right now? Oh, yeah, it's Alfa Romeo. You know how many points they have this season? Nine. Nine. Ferrari have 122. That's how much they would have to tank so to speak, to get more, to get a normal amount of wind tunnel time. Etienne, I love you, buddy, and thanks for emailing the show, but this is another one from me. Um, nope, I can't get there on this one, um, unfortunately. I don't think an F1 team would ever intentionally tank. I think there's too much on, on the line. There's too many moving parts in an F1 team, and I don't think they would ever intentionally you know, go slower. In terms of maybe things like, developing cars next year or ending development early that's one thing but they're not doing that to get more wind tunnel time no not not a, not a chance so it's a one from me yeah i'm gonna go one two i don't really have anything more to say than what's already been said to be fair it's it's dumb it's a dumb idea yeah, I, I don't think people would. I don't, I don't think an F1 team would ever tank, personally. Um, very, like I said, very American sports, but uh, not for me personally. But that'll do it on this edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Uh, thank you very much for Charlie for joining me as ever. As said, look out for the tweets every Monday on WTF1 Official on Twitter, and look. If you want to follow me personally on social media at Dre underscore WTF1 and you want to send me a tweet um, with a take in it, I do I do read them all. I will try to get them on the show. So just if you want 
tag me in it, Dre underscore WTF1 on Twitter, Dre WTF1 on Instagram as well, because a couple of people have sent them, sent me takes on Instagram, which 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 caught me by surprise. Um, but uh, very, very cool that you, you guys are reaching out. So please keep doing so. I do not mind. Um, that works too. But uh, we'll be back next week after the Austrian Grand Prix. Remember, it's a sprint weekend. Yay. Yay. Well, you know, I, 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 you should see the face that Charlie just pulled on this not visual medium of a podcast <laughs> because uh, it was... Uh, it was, it was as enthusiastic as you could possibly imagine. But uh, we'll be back next week for another Hot Takes Wednesday. I've been Dre Harris and she's been Charlie Williams. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. Sayonara. Bye.